everyone. Before we begin, this is a two-part episode, so if you didn't catch part one, check out last week's episode. Otherwise, let's continue the conversation with Gray Muzzle Manor founder, Marcy Talker, as she discusses how she incorporates her animals from the manor into her therapy programs. A lot of my animals look different. I have a duck that had a crushed bill when he was a baby, and I used to have to take him into the office with me because I had to tube feed him. And I didn't realize, like I was bringing him because I had to feed him. I didn't think anything of it. And kids were asking me, well, are the other ducks nice to him? Because oh. he looks different. They're, you know, and these are kids maybe that are experiencing some bullying mm. or some con- some issues with school or social structure. And I should say, the other ducks treat little Richard just like he's a duck. And he does duck things, some things he does in his own way. Mm-hmm. At that point, he had to be separated from them. But his pen, they were out, but they would sleep right next to him on the chain like they would touch him. They just knew he was a duck. They don't see that he looks different, whatever that means. All of these different animals that have special needs, the other animals don't treat them differently. I have a chicken that would ride on my goat. She didn't want to live with the chickens anymore. I was like, all right, you do you, Amelia Egghart. That's her name. She chose to live at, this is my my old place. She chose to live at the barn with my horses and my barn cats and my goats, my 200-pound goats. And they would, all of them, including the cats, shove themselves into one stall. And that chicken would be curled up up on the goat. The horses didn't care. They treated the goats just the same. They treated the cats just the same. They treated the chicken. They didn't say, well, oh, they're so different. Like, we're not going to be friends with them. Right, right. No judgment. No, no. So that concept is displayed through them just existing. That's incredible. Do you... How are your um, your animals ready to be able to be a part of this? Do they have to pass some sort of training or or how does that work? No. Okay. So, and I've done my research. <laughs> so they are considered um, residential therapeutic animals. Okay. However, they are covered by my insurance company. Okay. <laughs> um, and we have waivers and things like that. I have a dog, Benny. He gets dysregulated very easily. He's a 17-year-old chihuahua mix. Mm. And I wouldn't put him with a, a smaller child that moves very quickly. Mm. I know Benny, and I know how that's going to make him anxious. He will try to remove himself from the situation. Now, that same dog I've used with other older kids and an adult that struggle with extreme anger and aggression I show him the video, the video that I received. He, he was from another rescue. They, he was too aggressive. And I'll show them the video mm-hmm. of how Benny used to act. We go over, well, what do you think he was feeling? Mm-hmm. And they'll usually say scared. Well, what's he doing that we think that? They'll go over that. And then we tie it to, just like with all the sessions, all of these different interactions. Well, is there any time that you feel that way? So this is a kid that maybe, again, becomes extremely dysregulated quickly becomes very aggressive and violent. Mm-hmm. So they're able to relate because then we'll say, well, look at Ben Ben now. What's he doing? And he's like laying upside down in my lap, you know, like <laughs> when, what's the difference? Well, the video, he was just left the shelter. He was with the family for his whole life. He's deaf. So he's already upset. Mm-hmm. So he's reacting in this way that we're seeing. Then how's he reacting when he's calm, when he's allowed to have his space, make choices about his safety. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Mm-hmm. So they, they're used, like I, I know them all very well. Sometimes the best ones are my animals that just really aren't that friendly 
or have a history of their own trauma and abuse mm-hmm. and exploring themselves what safety means. My mare, my horse, Fancy, who's the reason for all of this, she's like a cat. Like she Sometimes she doesn't want to be touched. So then it makes it even more amazing when she's standing completely still for 10 minutes, allowing a child to color all over her. We, we use these hair chalk markers to do containment exercises and grounding and different stuff. And he had to get to her. And originally, she couldn't, he couldn't catch her. And he first he tried to chase her. And I'm watching. And I told him, we go over what's happening right now. Why is this not working? Try a different way. So he does. We go over, what, again, what's working. So then the horse gives him this huge positive reinforcement when he acts in a manner that the horse feels safe. Mm-hmm. And we can tie that. We tie that into what is it like at school? You then go through. Like typically then this is, this is, this is happening in relationships in their lives with people. And they replicate it with the animals, but the animals is a safe place to kind of try different ways. And, you know, with the therapist present, we've used my turkeys, my chickens. They all are able to be present. They don't judge. They're good listeners. They don't tell anybody what you tell them. Yeah. From the chickens to the horses and the horses work in an even more unique way. It's amazing. We've been able to do some more large animal rescue since moving mm-hmm. and that has been a whole other level on itself so these animals have come in hundreds of pounds underweight they've given up they're tired of fighting i had a client say to me the other day mm-hmm. they don't know what else to do they don't know who to trust and these of course are we work through this but these are typically projections as well yeah. but they can work with that animal and they can heal together and they can see the animal healing from the outside and the outside typically resembles what they might feel on the inside broken and to watch them heal together is an amazing thing are you the the only therapist there do you do you employ other therapists i work i'm a contractor okay i work for a fantastic with a fantastic group called blossom counseling and wellness i don't know if I'm biased, but I feel like I work with the best clinicians. The owner of the practice is similar mindset, and there's no one else that does animal-assisted psychotherapy. We do have other clinicians that do play therapy and art therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And and you are also part of the art therapy? Yes. By providing play and art and animals, and play is not just for children, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm providing other ways for people to speak. In office therapy, it's fantastic. Obviously, I'm a proponent for in the office. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. But do you ever feel like you can't explain how you feel? Oh, yes, all the time. Yeah. So if I show you other ways, I'm giving you almost other languages. I feel like by not providing the, these other languages, quote unquote, these other processes of healing, mm-hmm. I'm cutting out a lot. If you don't do that, stuff, that's fine, too. There's so many fantastic techniques. That's just kind of my thought. What other programs do you have? We have a brand new one, mm-hmm. which is offered through the nonprofit called Stable Moments. So we're so excited about it. Go to stablewomens.com. You can view even more as well. I this know. is a, oh, it's so cool. And there's a podcast, Stable Moments. It's lovely. Oh, it's part and of that it is, as well? It is. There's the podcast, there's the program, and then there's a podcast series as well. Nice. Okay. Um, and Stable Moments is a mentorship program for children in foster care and children adopted from foster care. 
And it's one hour a week with one horse and with a mentor from the community. So maybe similar to big brother, big sister kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it's equine-assisted learning. Mm -hmm. And I create a plan of care for them. From the intake process, we've identified some things that they could be working on. Mm -hmm. And then there's all these different activities, equine-assisted learning activities that their mentor does with them. Mm -hmm. And... Being, I worked as a caseworker when I was in graduate school. Being a trauma-informed therapist and being a foster parent gives me a, a very confusing and unique perspective. Sure. Um, there's a huge gap, and we can't expect our caseworkers to do everything. Mm-hmm. It's partially the community's responsibility to step up and help out. Mm-hmm. Foster parent, you can't be everything either. Sure. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It is, it's exhausting. I love it. Exhausting, um, and people want to help, but they don't know how. So this is a really neat way to kind of bridge that gap and help kids have even more supportive, healthy adults in their lives because you can't have too many of those. No, you cannot. And work on life skills, mm. and it just assists the, the foster family. It gives them a bit of a break if they need one, which. Yeah. I'll admit, like, I get that. And it's just the caseworkers, too. We have our first mentor training next weekend. Oh. And I cannot wait. And we're working on trying to obtain some funding assistance for the families. We'll see what we can get, but I'm so excited about that. What does the funding assistant for these families provide? It would cover the cost or portion of the cost of the session. So it's okay. once a week for okay. 10 months. Oh, wow. Um, and it's comes out to be it's one child, $40 a week. And if we had, this, you know, of course, financial assistance and sponsorships, it will enable even more kids to participate and help families. And I think it will also affect the amount of disrupted placements that her to the sheer lack of services and support for foster families and post about the families. And you said, what is the, the website for that program? Stablemoments.com? It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's different certified sites all over the country. Okay. And we are the only one, I believe, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, the only one on the East Coast. Okay. Is there anything else or? The- so, this is how my came. This is how my brain works. This is your brain. Very, okay. uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really stop. the The other, the ne- the other goal, and then realistically, maybe next year at some point, is to launch a therapeutic writing program. Oh wow! Which I had to laugh at myself because I was I had two computers set up, and I was doing a part of the American Hippotherapy Association certification on one, and part of the stable moment certification on the other one at the exact same time. Oh, no. And I looked at, like, I all of a sudden was like, you're ridiculous. Um, that will hopefully at some point, it will, it will come into fruition. And that was the dream that Joe, who is also my gala partner, she is my equine specialist and her husband, her late husband, Ben, that was the dream that they had for this property. What are the benefits of riding therapy, hippotherapy? That would be, so assisted writing would help with balance and coordination issues and conditions that cause some of those things, mm. muscle tightness, help with speech, help with 
activities of daily living skills, even with just improving range of motion mm-hmm. from individuals with autism to individuals that are in the wheelchair or have some chronic issue. Mm-hmm. The benefits of the horse's movement are pretty amazing. They mimic how our body would move. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, then if you're looking at the psychological effects just that come from that because it's not a mental health session. You know, you have someone that's able to relax a little bit. And again, when we're dysregulated, we can't learn. Yeah, We can't, our processing is affected. So if individuals, if, if you know, that's also, there's less pain, there's less discomfort, there's relaxation, then then these other things are able to, to to blossom as well. Ben was wheelchair bound and they had started to already do a bunch of modifications on the property for him and then in hopes to be used for therapeutic riding someday. So that is mm. what will be carried on. That, that will happen. Hopefully him continuing to watch over. Yeah, yeah. And stop making fun of me because I'm sure that's happening. <laughs> yeah. And without the move and the property, none of this would mm-hmm. be possible. And mm-hmm. I, I'm very stubborn, mm-hmm. you know, unsurprisingly maybe enough. But I don't know if I could have done it without their generosity and just belief mm-hmm. in this, in all of it, in all of it. From the rescue to the mental health to just everything. Mm-hmm. They sound incredible. So, thank you. So what, what program, I mean, I'm sure all of the programs mean so much to you, but do you have a specific one that you just really hold dear to your heart? The Safer program is one I love so much because when people approach needing help, they're not expecting they'll be able to keep their animal. When you can say to them, well, would you like them back? To keep the family intact is so much of a gift. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful and we're able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the Stable Moments program, when I found out about that at the gala conference last year in Kentucky, I felt like I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I worked, quote unquote, in the system. I'm a therapist and I'm a foster parent, which is a unique skill set. I have to provide this service for my community. I have to provide this service for foster families and adoptive families. I am so excited about it. I, I know that it will make a huge difference. As a foster parent, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. And as a therapist, you know, I have the clinical understanding of why my child is doing these certain things. Sure. But I'm, I'm a regular person, too. And a lot of times as a foster parent, it feels like you're just by yourself in a river in a, on a boat with a bunch of holes in it that's carrying rocks that's also going upstream. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. It's very lonely, and I have that now tonight. I can't imagine foster families that don't know about trauma-informed and don't know what happens to the brain when there's perceived danger. I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. how isolating it can be in it, and I don't want it to be like that because mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be like that. Oh, Marcy, you do a lot of incredible work. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted us to know about Grandmuzzle Manor? I guess. You know, there's always seems to, for me anyway, be transition periods of growth, which I'm so grateful for. And it sometimes takes me a little bit to catch up and uh, reach out for help mm-hmm. in order to grow and help the organization be all that it can be. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I do just feel like, and like I said, it's just double-edged sword. You know, like I, I don't often see all the other things before and what we've done, but I just honestly want to just do what's right. And that's kind of the thought process behind it. If there's something that I do have a skill set in and could help, then I want to do that. And that's, that's all it's about. And the fact that it has grown into what it has is a blessing and not even something I just couldn't have ever or, and still can't fathom. Please support Grey Muzzle Manor by joining us on A Favor for Freddy's first annual Creature Crawl and Costume Contest as we are donating the monies raised to this incredible foundation. The registration link can be found on our website at www.afavorforfreddy.org. This episode was produced by me, Jill, with music written and performed by Alex Guzman, with additional vocals by Jamie Channel Guzman, and all of our artwork is created by the incomparable Linda Lien Ribardi. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next week, and Freddie, until forever. <laughs>